Hey, yo, OA here, back. It's been a couple weeks. What's up, RC? Hey, uh, RC's back fully vaccinated. So <laughs> I just want, That's awesome. I just want to tell everybody, I'm sorry I was out. We had no plans of that, but it, it, it done a number on me, that second shot did. So I was down under the weather, and thank you. Uh, thank you for, like, uh, being the smart one of the two and going <laughs> – I'm sitting there going, oh, I'm okay to record. <laughs> Reggie, Reggie Jackson really tearing it up. You were like, yeah, yeah, let's, let's lay off this week. And I was like, okay, let's lay off this week. Well, hey, you know, we, here my whole theory on all this is we go at it, we can. You know, yeah. and, and when we go at it, we go at it serious. Yeah. Um, and if, if we're not able to go at it serious, then we're not going to waste folks' time. That's the yeah. way I look at it. Yeah, it's been a it's been an interesting uh, thirteen games going into the season, Chappie. I mean, it's really there's some things happening. Uh, uh, you know, me being a Braves fan, there's some things that's just shocked me. Well, you know, I mean, I don't know if I'd say shocked. Um, we all kind of knew that uh, Ronald Acuna is the best player on the planet. Oh, absolutely. And and even with Acuna playing so light out lights out, the Braves are in struggle pace. I mean, they're five and eight, had to score in the ninth tonight to uh, to win. Uh, and Acuna hitting, I can't believe this when I say this, four forty a four seventy four, an OBS of five hundred, third in the majors in home runs and steal. I mean, in average and steals, leads the majors in home runs doubles and runs scored been a great 15 weeks we were talking among our our little fantasy group and i was like hey here's the projection just because i know it's yeah. unreal but I, I started thinking about a record so i went and looked it up 1894 chappy 165 runs does akuna have a shot at breaking a over a hundred year record no, I don't think he does. I, you know, they've never been anybody over 150 since the 50s. I, I think 150 is a if he plays every day and he continues to hit lead off. I think that's it's still an unreal number. It, it is. It's so ridiculous. But you know, I mean, um, the thing to me about Acuna is uh, at this point in the year, anyway, like. He's decided that he's only going to play in fifth gear. Yeah. He, he is full throttle on every – that's been the most notable – yes, he's got – you know, he's, he's shown more power. He's shown, you know, better day, plate discipline. He's shown the ability to manufacture a own. He's shown ability – you know, all the things that he's done this year, as great as they've been. The biggest thing to me has been the fact that he takes nothing off, nothing for granted. Not a play. That infield single that he beat out, routine single, just speaks to his effort and his desire. And that's what it takes to be a lead at this sport. And I think that he understands that at this point. You know, and I think – Again, and I originally wanted to talk about Freddie Freeman tonight, and I'll just pass by it real fast. And this is not a Braves hour. If you have ESPN and you can see the E60 that was just released last week on Freddie Freeman, you'll realize there's a comment in there 
Chappie, that stayed with me. Bryce Harper, Phillies Braves, huge Rob. Bryce Harper's comment when they were talking about uh, Freddie Freeman was, you can never be mad at Freddie or root against him just because he's that good of a guy. So watch that if you have a moment. But I think another point was made in that E60. They've never been a doubt that this was Freddie Freeman's team. Now, if you're a Kuna and you've been sitting there for three years watching the example of a guy who just works hard, works hard, works hard, he has really set a pace for that team. And it's a pace now that I don't even see anybody keeping up with. Uh, to your point, the other night, he didn't make a catch. Uh, it was a ball hitting a, uh, in the gap. But the effort to get there and to come up three inches short, I feel like last year that ball would have been a bouncer filled it off. the. I mean, it's like every play is live or die for Ronald Acuna right now. And, and, and you know, I mean – it's interesting to me because I know I know how you feel about this, but I'll, I'll go ahead and spell out a little bit differently. I, I feel like the Braves are kind of the Dodgers of the East and that they have a really good opportunity to have back-to-back MVPs in their lineup. I, 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 I think so. And, you know, I, well, you said that uh, about a week ago, and I was kind of like, eh, eh. You know, I, I don't see it happening. Right now, 10% into the season, 15 games into the season, he is the runaway MVP, yeah. not not even close. Right. Uh, I picked Soto to, win, Soto to win the MVP. I got on the Soto train. I, I, I still believe – I don't believe in my heart that Ronald Acuna can hit 340, uh, which I think Juan Soto can. But I do think it's possible after the first 15 games to see Ronald Acuna hit 300. I mean, is, is 295, 305, that's a number he can get to. <laughs> hey, thank you there. I got it going. I, I, I'm, I will not shave this until Ronald Acuna goes below 300. Oh, Jesus. It could be around a while. <laughs> Listen, you know, I, you, you you're kind of on the on the outs with the Braves being um, a, a contender, right? I, I think a move has to be, Chappy. I I really think the Braves got to get to the All Star break. That's the chance they've got to get Soroka back to at, at Soroka levels. Uh, Fried's now on the DL. I think yeah. we I think we have gosh. Hey man, I just want to shout out to everybody. We got eleven viewers. Great mm-hmm. to see y'all. Um it, I, I really think the Braves gotta gotta move a Wilson Contreras uh, or William Contreras. They've gotta move a Drew Waters. Uh I think I think the Christina Peitch experiment right now is maybe a D plus C minus. So I wonder right. at what what point we see Drew Waters up into the majors. Uh, Pate hit the, the DL today. I think the Braves seriously have to make a move for a frontline pitcher. I, I made a little meme today. It, as great as the as the hitting has been, is as bad as the pitching's been. Um. So a couple things on that. 
you don't think Ender and CRT is the answer? I, you know, I do think he's I, have. I feel like Ender is the girl that you don't want to take to the prom, but you. She's the backup her. plan. Yeah. <laughs> every year the Braves come in and try to replace Ender, and every year he proves he is what he is. Right? He, yeah, he's going. And the thing about Ender, while he's not going to hit 320 home runs, he's going to hit 270. Yeah, he's not going to bottom out, right? Uh, yeah. His floor compared to Christina Pratchett's floor right. is much higher. Right. And I still am I am more and more – I think Page has got a good future, but he's not a major league ready hitter right now. Yeah, I agree. And, and you know, the, the, the thing about – the, the the thing about Pache that he needed to do was, well two things he needed to get on base yeah and he needed to manufacture some runs with his feet yes and that's two things that that uh, NCR could do right you know even before the injury uh, I don't know if you saw the other night they moved him down in the order yeah um, you know you had and they moved Albies down even farther so you right. had Page hitting eight. Albies hitting seventh, and you saw Freddie move up to the two hole. Yeah, you saw Asuna move up to the three hole. Right, you saw Denard in the four hole. You saw Riley go from the seventh hole to the six hole. So, and he uh, hasn't earned it. No, and they need uh, as great as that offense is right now. Can be, can be great. Darno's been good. Yes, absolutely. And Dans- Dansby Swanson, we've talked – our friend Durf is always talking about him. He's, he's just consistent. He's not going to be a superstar. But he's but he's not hit well early, though, right? He's not, and, and that's a stick. He's that, an OBP guy, right? Yeah, yeah, that's the stick the lineup needs today. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So who comes around first? Ozzy Albies or Dansby Swanson? It, you know that's a that's a tough question. I can tell you the at bats, and for for the guys that don't know, I am a little. I mean, I wear it every day. Uh, I've watched all thirteen games. If you're talking about just the pure hacks at the baseball, the cuts at the baseball, I feel like Dansby's much closer than Ozzy is. Uh, I've saw Ozzy take some swings the last week that just made just made me scratch my head. Like, you know. Now, at the end of the year, um, and we've talked about the Dominican baseball players, the Central American baseball players, they take a little while to get yeah. movement. Yeah. Well, I, you know, Freddie's only hitting uh, 200, um, and, and they're still – they're okay, but I really think for this team to reach their goals, they've got to get both Albies and Swanson hitting the ball. Then you can afford Ender in the outfield or Patch. And you got to have one more. One, you got to have one more pitcher. Uh, I'm interested to see Soroka come back. Well, but, and I'll even, you know, I, I'm interested in Bryce Wilson. Yeah, he deserves it now. Yeah, I mean, let's see what he has. Let's give him a chance. He did well in the spring. He's shown glimpses of doing well in the past. Another one I'm interested in is Kyle Wright. I mean, you're talking about a kid who first round pick, first overall, right? Uh, he was uh, – I don't Earth, think he like was, top three. Yeah, 
Yeah. Kyle, Kyle Wright at Vandy, which is just in my front door, was unhittable. I right. mean, he's he's the closest thing to rock rocker that Vandy's had. Um, you know, and I've wondered about Kyle Wright when I see him throw, and when I've got to, I got to see him start a game two years ago, and I got to see him start a game or two games in the minors. It seems like Chappie when he's got just that little snap. It's kind of like that uh, Zach Grinky, for lack of a better word, slider, where he can mm-hmm. throw it almost as hard as his fastball. When he's got that work and he's a different pitcher, um, he sets up everything off that slider. And so far at the major leagues, that slider has been toast. So, yeah, um, you know, he may throw it too hard. You know, I saw a thing about Grinky this week. Um, that he's the only pitcher. His slider is uh, 89, and his fastball is 90. Not a lot of guys can pull that pitch off. And sometimes I think Kyle Wright throws his breaking stuff too hard without without that speed differential. So we'll see. I, you know, it's nothing that can't get fixed. Uh, I'm a Braves fan, and I'm here. But uh, the Dodgers sure do look good, well right now. They 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 are living up to the – to the well, building. You know, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the National League, but I, I certainly see the Braves uh, being a big part of what happens. So, you know, again, I feel like before they start going out and spending money um, outside of the organization, I'd like to see a Kyle Muller. I'd like to see a, a Kyle Wright. I'd like to see some of these kids that they've been toting um, for the last three or four years get an opportunity because, you know, um, they were hesitant with Ian Anderson last year too, right? That, so, absolutely. You know, it's one of those things where <laughs> you got to give these guys a chance. Yeah, you might get a Tiki Toussaint who doesn't, who's not able to fill the bill, um, but you know, you might end up with another Ian Anderson type of pitcher. They certainly have arms that have that 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 talent. And we still, I, I don't know if we've seen the best of Tuki. You know, I agree. We said agree. for three years. That he looks like an eight inning, uh, eighth inning guy. I would love, to, I'd love to see Tuki in that seventh, eighth inning role. Right now, the guys we have in in, in Minner and Martin, who's on the DL, are certainly he can't be any worse than they've been. Uh, so you, I, I really, I really wish we would give a couple of those young arms some some chances in the seventh and eighth. You never know where that might just fit the personality. And change a career yeah. around. You yeah. Know? No, and you're absolutely right. It happens every year. It happens all the time. Um, and you know the the bullpen, especially you know in our league. Um, not to get too far into it, but you know having the the holds and saves saves count twice as much as holds. Um, I, I think it's really cool because you're constantly looking for that guy that gets you that one point, right? Um, even if it, you know, he gets you one point and he gets you low ERA and high case for nine, that's gold. Um, but you know, so that means you're always looking for like that next guy that's on the cusp of, you know, um, being in a, a hold situation where you can gain some real points and get that bonus, um, from the ERA and, and the, and the, uh, case per nine. But, you know, it's, it's one part of fantasy baseball that's ever evolved. Absolutely. And, and I, I've kind of lucked into our league. Um, you know, I threw a couple of darts at closers that end up being eighth inning guys, but still yet. Yeah. It, it's profited me. It um, carries value, right? Right. And, you know, in our other league we play together, I cut Dirkman 
Um, and, and and because it was clear that Rosenthal uh, looked like the ninth inning guy, and that's a that's a league where saves is it. And then the, a week later, Rosenthal yeah, yeah. is out of here, and Dirkman's the closer. So it, uh, saves and relief pitching in fantasy baseball is unless you have one of those top what Chappy, maybe eight guys, seven guys, six guys. Yeah, then it, it's I, a crapshoot. It's it's all a crapshoot as far as I'm concerned. I mean, you know, <laughs> and my approach in the and heck, I got Liam Liam Hendricks. Yeah, and he's been terrible. I got Ryan Presley, and not only he's been terrible. It's like, you know, I, I tried to be like as safe as Nick Anderson. I have Nick Anderson gone. Like I, I don't. It, it, anyway, I don't want to sit here and rant and bellyache about closers, but it's it's tough um, to, to from week to week to to fill that category out. Uh, that's definitely one I'm struggling with right now. I've got off to a decent start in our auction league, but I I look at my bit my bullpen every week, and I'm like, yeah. where can I help myself? And it's tough, you know. Yeah, it's, it's funny. So in my big money league, we have. Um, we kept Liam Hendricks. We have Riceel Iglesias, and we have literally the night after the draft, um, they announced that uh, uh, Alex Reyes was going to be the closer for the Cardinals. Picked him up like that. We're in first place in saves in that league, and Liam Hendricks has been garbage, Randall. Yeah. Well, you know who my league leading uh, saves guy in that league is? What? Of all people, Ian Anderson. Uh, who I, I I dug off of the scrap heap, and I picked up Ian Matt Kennedy. Bush. Yeah, Ian Kennedy. Yeah, uh, I picked up Matt Bush and Ian Kennedy at the same time. Matt Bush immediately goes on the DL. Ian Kennedy's got me three saves. I mean, how, how this guy was a non spring in a non uh, or forty man non body to spring training. Right now he's leading my team in saves. Hey, and that's what it's all about—is right, right time, right place. You know, when you hear something, jump on it. So, um, yep. the relievers are tough, especially, and that's why I like that whole league because it's always evolving, and you can always get value, yeah, day to day almost. So, well, I've been able to piece that together a little better than the uh, the, uh, the auction league. I, I really, I'm struggling over there. I tell you, in the auction league, I'm kind of struggling with uh, just having too many leagues. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm okay admitting that, you know. I mean, um it, it wasn't an arm and a leg to get into it. Um I, I try I, this week, um I it's all about cadence, right? Like getting down to know when the lineup changes are and making sure you're there, paying attention and um got the right priorities in. Like I picked up you know, I had quarter infielders, I needed an outfielder. And right. I picked up like three corner infielders. I'm like, what the heck am I? Gonna, I can't do anything with these guys. <laughs> yeah. So it's like looking at your team, like, this, okay, I need this, you know, and not go. Oh, well, Yuli Gurriel's there. Who cares? Yuli Gurriel's there. I got three corner infielders, and I can't play him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. And, oh, I mean, just we spent probably uh, thirty minutes on text the other night about what you were going to do with Showtag. And uh, and still, I mean, that's a thing that's just uh, 
I think you what you were thinking were right was right, yeah. but yeah, don't spill it. I haven't done it yet. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's tough. It's tough, tough, tough. You know, and and that's the thing. So in that league, um, it's a it's a rotisserie league. So it's you know you're you're basically racking up points. We just picked up, uh, you know, Tim LaCastro. And we dropped a pretty good Luis Arise to do it, but it's one of those things where, like, you're counting stats. You know he's going to get you 30 stolen bases. Right. If he stays healthy. Everything's an if, right? But still, if he stays healthy, he's going to get you 30 stolen bases. Right. You have to do that in that format. I don't care if he kills you in two or three other categories. Uh, Yeah, you know, uh, I'll be honest with you. I've had a nice little run in DraftKings so far this year. Mm-hmm. And, and if you looked at my most played players to this point, it is Jarrett Walsh yeah. and Miles Straw. And, and Miles Straw's always dirt cheap, gets a steal for you. He makes that lineup, you know. Uh, the return on investment on a player like that is just – if you catch him, especially against – so I'm going I'm to lay a little knowledge on everybody. Here's, how I, here's how I pick. If I'm going to play Miles Straw, I go find out who's catching for the other team, and I go back to the 2019 season, and I see out what his throwout percentage was. If it was below 30%, Miles Straw makes my lineup. So That's smart. I've been doing it all year, and it's worked really well. Yeah. You could do that with LaCastro too, though, couldn't you? Yes, yes, yes. I just hasn't – I haven't expanded it. Right. Yeah. 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 No. And that's a good idea. I mean, so the way I do it is I I always try and go, what's the pitcher I feel the most confident about at the cheapest price? Yeah. And and that's good. Here's where I get though, Chappie and I, 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 and building these lineups, I love the stack. I'm not crazy about, you know, they talk about five player stack. Mm-mm. I'm really, I'm really not crazy about that. I really like that sweet spot of three players, yeah. and a lot of times it'll be a three-two-two-one stack where I'm I'm trying to find pieces from two other teams. Right. But a lot of times when I get down to that last player, don't have a lot of money, and I go looking for stolen bases, and that's been my strategy all year. I or I go looking for. The rookie coming up, and, and hey, folks, if you see somebody price two thousand yeah. dollars or twenty one hundred dollars, and they're hit two, three, or four, yeah, you throw them in. Don't worry about <laughs> that. So throw tonight, tonight, I threw out Mike Rousseau because oh, he was going yeah. against. He kills lefties, and he was going against. I think it was Rich Hill. I can't remember. I might be off on that, but so he's in. He's hitting like he's hitting. I think he's hitting. Last year he hit 450 against lefties or some ridiculous statistic like that. The year before that he hit 340. I mean, so it's like anytime you see him in there, yeah, he's in there for a reason. You play him. Oh yeah, Absolutely. because he's hitting at the top of the lineup. So to me, that's kind of how I pick on pitchers. So if I see a Rich Hill in the lineup, I'm attacking him. Yeah. I played Diaz tonight too. Like that, it's one of those things where when you see these guys and you know they're one side weak or right. they're lollipop, I'm attacking that weakness. 
Yeah, and you know, and Chappie, I've gotten away from the big games, and I've been playing a lot of single entry tournaments. Yeah, 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 and definitely. I, 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 and I'll show you, and if everybody can see it, right now I'm uh, playing one, and I'm in. I don't know if you can see it, but I'm in fifth place right now, and uh, you can play those tournaments, and you can win them. And if you win one of those little small dollar tournaments. You know, you look at it's two hundred bucks, man. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's tough to do though, man. I mean, it is, but it's fun. I, I that's definitely the best competitive edge I think doing it. Um, you know, there'll be nights when you don't place, but there will also be nights when you know, um, you know, you, you win twenty or thirty bucks, I, and I, I, uh, yeah, it, it, it ebbs and flows too. It feels like when you hit one of those, you end up hitting three or four of them, right? Yeah. And, you start and, getting a good feel for how it goes. You can kind of build upon it. I, and I've, for some reason, I've really been uh, been playing a lot of, uh, and again, uh, a friend of mine that's a DSS, a DFS expert told me, and, and you've said it before too, um, when you play West Coast baseball, yeah, a lot of yeah. times the guys who's made a little money off the main slate, Yep. Then just throws in a lineup without researching it. Yep. So some of those West Coast games, you know, three man games, you can find some real weak feels. So I'm trying to take advantage of it. I'm on a twelve dollar entry right now, showing a fifty dollar profit. I take nice. it all night. So Brousseau has hit a home run tonight. He's two for four, two runs and two RBIs, Randall. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, and I threw uh Piscotti in the lineup tonight. Kind of in the same situation. Right. And tonight, he's got 14 points and one at bat. Run, hit, home run, and a run batted in. Hit a solo yeah. shot. Yeah. And he was he was a grand total of $2,400. So, so more of the story is pay attention to splits. Pay attention to arbitrary lineup insertions that look weird. Yeah. That, that's the takeaway I, I, I take from that, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's fun. You know, and hey, we've talked Listen, about it. Listen, when Joe Ross pitches next time, are you going to play him? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, has Mu every time Musgrove come up in the Padres lineup, have I played him? Hey, yes. I tell you, I watched him last night against the Pirates. The Pirates worked him over, buddy. The Pirates, I mean, they only got one run off of him. But, he, but I believe he ended up taking a loss because yeah, – yeah, because Tyler Anderson outpitched him. I, I didn't cash last night. And of course, I had a had kind of a bad night. Uh, and, and again, you know, you're going to have nights when you don't cash. I, I, I have all the games, so I always see. I mean, you know, I'm I'm catching Joe Musgrove's games. Yeah, well, you know? I mean, the Pirates through 13, 14 games are playing well. Yeah, sometimes. Well, well they're five hundred against the Cubs. Right, they're two and four against the rest of the league. Right, and so let's, you know, let's pump the brakes. <laughs> that I mean, you could say the same thing about the Angels. You know, the Angels are playing really well. Yeah, but they're playing the Mariners, and they've played. You know, just they play, and you don't know. But uh, back to the Angels, I love the way their lineup seems to be oh. coming together and. Hey, is it not the great? You know, 
they had Jarrett Walsh in the high minors and had him mm-hmm. pitching and and hitting. And in 2019, they just finally done away with the pitching end of that. And he is on fire this year. And it's it's somebody that I thought for a couple of years that were was on the verge. So, you know, I, I'm 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 happy to see it. It's an SEC guy and a guy who I think the Angels have struggled with where to play him, you know. So I don't think they are anymore though. No, I mean they gotta get that stick in the lineup somewhere. Is he an all star? Uh right now, today, yes. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. So uh, left field? I, I think left is his more natural position. Yeah. Yeah. I think his bat profile's on left. Yeah. Uh well that and you kind of got the uh Otani issue too about where you're gonna play him. And is it Oh, easier? I don't think he plays. You just DH him. I don't I don't mess with him in the field like right. <clears throat> look, Shohei, I know you can do it. You're more valuable at the plate and pitching every sixth day. And, and then you let Albert Pujols kind of get his retirement. Whatever. I don't care who cool. you put yeah. in there. It's not it's yeah. it's not his problem. Right. Hey, bring up Marsh or Adele if you have to. I don't care. Yeah. I don't yeah. care who it is. It's not Shohei. You protect his bat is why he's there. He's not there to play the field and show me that he can catch a fly ball. I don't care. He's there to hit, and he's there to pitch. Then you protect him. You know, I do find it interesting that the Angels are the team that seems more willing to do that profile than any other team. And, you know, those kids, uh, those guys, especially college players like Walsh, they've spent – they're 22 when they get – 21 when they get drafted. Since they were seven years old, they've been pitchers slash outfielders. Right. Pitchers right. slash, you know, so I, you they're know, used to it. Yeah, I mean, uh, and I think Shote is, uh, man, I, I I love watching him pitch. He's amazing. I love watching. I, him I, I talk for him, talk about him for about twenty minutes. The thing that I love the most about Shohei, and this is my own take of it, it's it's amazing to me when he swings at the ball. Uncle nearest, by the way. Oh, nice! Yeah, nice. Uh, yeah. I I heard you guys talking the other night on your on your new show, which well done, by the way. Thanks, um, man. And uh, I I really enjoy Uncle Nearest, and I, you guys reminded me that I had a a uh, a bottle of it in the back of the cabinet, so I opened it up tonight. Yeah, and and hey, you know we're we're we stay as far away from politics as possible, but <laughs> that is one of the best. That is a movie. Waiting to be made, Chappie. And yeah, the story, you know, that's 40 miles from me. Right. And I, ne- I never knew the story until the last six months. Right. And uh, it really, and I'm not a non drinker, but like I said on the uh, podcast the other night, to be named, but uh, we, that's something that's, that, that's, that's a, that's a great story there. So, yeah. No, it's cool. Um, but you know, I love bourbon. By the way, I really enjoyed that talk. Uh, my guys really know their stuff, man. <laughs> I, I'm always like, why did that? I'm like, oh yeah, that's why. Anyway, back, back, let's get back on point. <laughs> well done. That's all I got to say. Um, the thing about Shohei, 
he's just elite. He, he he's elite in everything he does. Right. And and his the the thing the the cherry on top of the Sunday for me is that ball he hit the other night. He hit a curveball. 431 feet. Wow. And he kind of has that it, it's it's part Ichiro, it's part uh Matsui, right? Mm. Where he's kind of fallen out headed towards first base. But then he has it's almost again, I don't, you know, I, I it sounds racially insensitive. I don't mean it to. But almost like a ninja approach to it where he's coming yeah. through it. And and he slices at the ball, and he can literally whether he he just a flick of the wrist drive it or take it the other way. It's a work of art. Those guys, uh, you know, and that that's a conversation we'll have one day. And I I don't know if you've ever watched the Japanese majors, but I I have been a privilege to see a few games. Uh, those guys get in a great hitting position. And you're right. Those three guys, they look uh, unorthodox. But when you see where their hands end up at contact, it's unreal. And I'm a guy that's believe, believed in his whole career. If Ichiro wanted to hit 25 home runs every year, he could have done it. Totally. But he might have hit 290, you know. Right. And then you start about talking about Ichiro. To me, uh, the Pete Rose – and each row are, are, are the two greatest hitters, regardless of power, that I ever saw play. Both of them over 4,000 hits. Can I have one more? Yeah, go ahead. Edgar Martinez. Uh, Edgar, yes, very, very, very. And then, and then I almost want to throw in one for my youth, Tony which Gwen. is Tony Gwynn. But I went uh, there. I beat you to it, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, and Tony Gwynn, too. Tony Gwynn kind of started that swing at the hips and got his hands in a similar position. Well, he was that, different though, man. He yeah. he was kind of like uh, the cousin hug, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. with his butt out. His, his, <laughs> but he his, was so good. His bat to ball skill was incredible. Yeah, his hands. If you look where their hands are, though, all great hitters get their hands in a hitting position, and, and the greatest to me at that uh, was. Maybe even Rod Carew, if you go back and watch some of his stuff, he was laid back in the batter's box. It looked lazy, but when he got there, the hands were in hitting position. And yeah, you know, and Shote, I, yeah, I don't think he knows how good he can be at the major leagues yet. Oh, I do. You think it? You think he absolutely? He knows exactly how good he can be. He's there. He's just he is there. Put it. Well, I don't think he is there. He's got to put it together, and that's he's got to string I, them together. Yes, yeah. that's, but but you're talking about Randall. You're talking about top five pick. Yes, you're talking about the same type of talent as Acuna, Soto, Trout, and Tatis. Yes, and he's. I, I mean, there's him not, and Bo. That's your top six. Bo Bichette's the other one. There that. And you want to talk about putting it on the table? Did I just not put it on the table? Yeah, and then I, you know, I'm, I'm awful. Uh, there's one more that just kind of, I, I, I just, I want to throw Say it. Say it. 
I want to throw Trey Turner into that group yeah. so badly at times. No, he's he's definitely I he's the next level. But he's yeah. the first to the next level. I'll give you that. Yeah. And then, you know, this year has been interesting. So the whole dynamic, I, I'm really I want to see what happens game sixty and see if the hitting catches up with the pitching a little bit because at times the good pitching has been dominant so far this year. Oh, you know, I I didn't even get a chance to talk about Corbin Burns. There, there is as you know, so so the Burns Barrios duel earlier in the year was amazing. The Giolito Bieber Last night, night before last, was amazing. Um, you know, the obviously the Ro, Ro, the Rodone last night, uh, Musgrove last week. It's impressive, and it's interesting to me how big a part analytics has become. Yeah. yeah. Spin rate. Break rate, how how big of a break they get. Average speed, location, command is all critical now. Yeah, it's kind of um, – I described this show one day to someone is that I'm, I'm in my 50s and I have a completely <laughs> different view of baseball than you. And, and I Me? don't think – Yeah, and I don't yeah. think it's bad. It's the generations we were raised in that baseball was all about the scouts out on the road and, yeah. you know, learning. There's a hole in his swing. And then guys like you are just so in touch with those stats that are second level. I, you, know, you know what it is? And this is in all honesty, from the, very, from the time I was very young, I love – Counting numbers, I like. I would always like. I you know, my dad was a baseball coach, right? So I remember, like, I come down in January and he'd like have his list of like thirty players that were trying out for the team that he was looking into, right? So it was just like always like, I love counting stats, and to me, the best thing about fantasy sports, not just fantasy baseball, because I do it fantasy football too, is catching trends. Getting in and seeing that trajectory go and catching it down here before it gets up here and everybody in the league wants it. It's down here. It's Jesus Aguilar. Right? Yeah. Hitting 320 whatever. Yeah. Nobody's paying a damn bit of attention to him. But guess what? He had 35 homers three years ago. He hadn't hit one yet. How many do you think he's going to hit, Randall? Uh, he's he's going to uh, he's going to be plus twenty eight somewhere in there. So so it's part looking at numbers. It's part playing like problem solver. Yeah. And it's to me, it's the it's the best part. It's the it's the checkers. Excuse me. It's the chess to the rest of the game's checkers. Well, and, and it's the beauty of the most, it's hard to find 
people who love football and baseball. Yeah. Because there's so vastly different in the game. And you're right. There is nothing more pure than a back of a baseball card flipped over and you sit there and you read it. And, you know, uh, you can learn, you can learn so much about the game. Um, football is much more trust your eyes, trust we feel you have players that don't accumulate stats. You know, the most important players on the team, a lot of times are the ones that accumulate the less stats. So you can't go and stat out unless you're into the pancake and it's becoming more and more the offensive line stats and stuff, but that's relatively new. I knew how to figure out batting average since I was in the third grade. That's how I learned how to do division. Right. <laughs> well, but I, I'll say this. I'll I'll disagree with you a little bit because there's nothing like figuring stats out when you can sit here and you can watch, oh, well, Matt Chapman was 0 for 3 tonight, but he stung the ball three times. Right. No, there is no – that's the part of baseball that I like the best. Yeah. So so you can sit here and you can look and you can see a guy's just just a little off. So the greatest athletes I've ever seen in the minor leagues play baseball was it's easy for me to say Bo Jackson, Jason Hayward, and it's wasn't even close. And you ask yourself, well, Jason Hayward and I stand yeah. by it. Yeah. He is a freak athlete. Right. Uh but oh, I wouldn't question it. But I mean he doesn't have that I mean he's had a great major league career, don't get me wrong. But it's kind of like he doesn't have that one in a million set of eyes that a Ted Williams did or a or a, a Don Mattingly or a you know or a who, who was a guy that from the Pirates that just uh, was on that team that oh uh, Bill Maddox uh, Bill Maddox Maddox. yeah he just don't have that one uh, elite quality but none of those guys can probably run faster than Jason Hayward none of those guys can probably swing harder than Jason Hayward none of those guys can probably hit a ball farther off of uh, off of uh, BP pitching but you put it in the game and there's just something missing you know yeah. It's just different. Well, and, you know, I mean, the, the thing to me is, is again, um, and, and I know we want to talk some football, but, uh, you know, just closing up on baseball, um, I, I like sitting back there and trying to think about the, the, the big picture. Yeah. And compare it to the little picture. And what I mean by that, Randall, is everybody knee jerks the first two, three weeks, months, whatever, right? So, so say, yeah, say you got David Peralta. Starts out the year, the first two weeks, he's hitting 182. Oh, this is terrible. I got to go pick up. Name your schmo, right? Yeah. There's a big fat nugget sitting out in the free agent heap. Knowing sitting here hitting 182 that he's a career 289 hitter. Yeah. 
Where do you think he's going to end up at the end of the year? A lot closer to 289 than 182. So what's he going to do between now and then to get to that 289, Randy? Have a great May, June. Right. And, you know, uh, there's that situation, and I won't throw names out, but there's there's someone in our league right now sitting on the waiver wire <laughs> that has no business there. And I was like, you know, and it just it happens. And, you know, I've been guilty of it. My, we all one, have. One of my biggest sins in football, and I know it's a different sport, but it's, it's still fantasy. My biggest sin in football is trading hot guys for historically good guys. Right. Uh, one year I traded Odell Beckham, his rookie year, and he was just awful. But you know what he did the last eight games after I traded him? Oh, he yeah. made the pro. He made the Pro Bowl. Right. Sometimes it's just, just sitting there, being patient. Always work your way for wire, but be patient. Be patient. Be patient. I never regret a trade. I never regret a trade. It could be a bad trade, but I never regret that I made it. Because when I make a trade. It's because I want something. Right. Randall, if I come to you and ask you for a trade, don't think it's arbitrary. No. It's poignant. And if you're not doing it that way, you're doing it wrong. If you're drafting out of desperation, you're in trouble. Completely agree. So – you know, it's fun because you get this time of year. I, I'm not going to lie. There's been years when I haven't done as well in baseball, especially starting up with podcasting because it's a lot of work, right? Yeah. I did really well this year. <laughs> I did. I, I have some really solid teams. <clears throat> But that being said, you know me, Randall. You know I'm going to make some power moves. Yeah. Well, oh, and uh, you even threw it out the other day. You know, we're a weekend. Nobody sent me a trade offer. Yeah. <laughs> and then I immediately t- started talking to somebody about a yep. trade. Yep. Yep. And, and, so. and that's that's another fun part about it is the strategy of making a trade and how to do that properly. And I feel like that's underutilized in fantasy sports, let alone fantasy baseball. Fantasy baseball should have trades all the time. Yeah. It, the rosters are so big. It's such a fluid game. I don't understand why people aren't trading, you know, once a month. Yeah, I, I, it just, you know, but that's that's me, and I understand a lot of people aren't like that. Well, and I, I think in football too, it's <laughs> – Totally, and you know how yeah. I am. I mean, what's my what's my league called? The Gunslinger League, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so I, I feel like this is as good a time as any to pivot. All right. Um. Two weeks from tonight, we, we got we got a draft. It, a very interesting draft going on right now, and you know I've always been a draft. Um, Partaker back to the days when it was just Mel Capper and a few guys in the 1980s. But I've not seen a lot of drafts that have the first three positions already pretty much ironed out. 
And then you have that fourth position that is in constant flux. And I think it's because those first three positions have, have, you know, we, we, we think we know what they're doing. And when you do that, you're doing the other favor behind, team a favor. So hold on. I don't mean to interrupt you. Number three, you say you think you know what that team's doing. I, I feel confident I know what that team's doing. So let's let's start there. Okay. So 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 we're assuming Trevor Lawrence won. Yes. We're assuming um, uh, Zach Wilson number two. Zach Wilson two is 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 probably a done deal. Yes. So so number three was San Francisco. You're saying they they they've been to multiple fields workouts. They've yes. been the multiple Lance workouts. And they've been to Jones' workouts as well, right? Yes. You're telling me you know what they're going to do. I have as much confidence in the third pick as I do the second pick. All right. Who um, you got? I have Mac Jones from Alabama. And uh, that is – let me tell you, my kind of the sources are coming from – one, I'm not far from Tuscaloosa. Used to live there. Know a lot of people there. Um, also, if you follow the media, it's become more and more, uh, you know, out there that, that 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 Jones is the pick. I was probably a week earlier, but let me let me throw what really makes me co- feel confident in this. It is the stylism of what Kyle Shanahan wants to do, and it is the fit to the Kyle Shanahan office offense the one thing that Matt Jones brings to this is something Steve Sarkeesian the head coach of Texas now the former offensive coordinator at Alabama has said in the last two weeks Matt Jones has a Peyton Manning like ability to absorb offense that Stark said he had Matt Jones for 17 games and he put in more offense than any quarterback he's ever had as a starting quarterback, Kyle Shanahan's greatest success has come with Matt Ryan, led Matt Ryan to an MVP year. All that said, and plus, I do feel like the people in the Matt Jones camp feels like it's a done deal. I, I feel like Matt Jones to San Francisco. Plus, Matt Jones is built to win now, where I don't know if Justin Fields and Trey Lance are. A little bit more projectable. Yeah. And I'll say this the way I did on the other podcast, Chappie. Mac Jones, Trevor Lawrence have the highest floors in this draft of a quarterback. I'm still not sure that Trevor or, or, or Trey Lance and Justin Fields doesn't have the highest ceiling, but that's going to take some time down the road. Right. If you're San Francisco and you are built to win now, which they are, Mac Jones is the guy that can you can draft now that can get you into the playoffs this year. And I do think they're going to hold on to Garoppolo for this year. So it's going to be an interesting ride. Well, I, I think all the things you say make sense. Um, it's funny. I was listening to, I can't remember, some schlubbo show that was talking about um, – Fields being the pick 
and it wasn't a, it was I don't listen to Schlubbo shows. It was somebody pretty. It was I think uh, Ratcliffe or Evans or one of those guys. They talked about you know his um, his athleticism, his ability to get outside of the pocket and um, make quick good decisions. Um, what would you what would your response to that be? They're, they're absolutely right, but Justin Fields and, and Trey Lance have um, the offenses they've run at all, Ohio State and North Dakota. State, uh, and, and there's a huge difference there. First of all, Lance right. is played at North Dakota State. Now, Justin right. Fields has played at the highest level. Justin Fields at Ohio State was never asked to do what Mac Jones was asked to do at Alabama. Now, both of them, and I've heard the argument that Mac Jones had Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle. Absolutely the truth. I don't know who Ohio State's wide receivers were, but they'll be in the NFL. They both had elite talent around them. Uh, the what I like, what has been Shanahan's calling card is an offense that's built apart a power running game, pro style throwing, heavy tight end, and I just think it fits better with the more traditional pocket passer than Justin Fields. I'm afraid a lot of people down the road are going to be like, yeah, we missed it with Justin Fields. But I just don't think he's NFL ready. And on um, the uh, – I don't know if you saw the second show on Tuesday night. We had an Ohio State graduate on. And he said himself, he goes, you know, what Ohio State asked a quarterback to do, be it Dwayne Haskins or Justin Fields, is not the same style of offense that Alabama has asked. Also, Chappie, I'll ask you the question. Does Dwayne Haskins, being the last quarterback out of Ohio State, and the last two quarterbacks out of Alabama are Jalen Hurts and Tua, I feel like you know you're getting a more NFL-ready quarterback with those Alabama products than you are with the Ohio State products because you have a history of Cordell Jones. Dwayne Haskins. It's just not been there. Well, so you gave me a lot there. Um, you know, so, so I'll start out with this. I'll start out by saying, um, you, you know, the. I'm not saying I don't agree with what you're saying. Right. At all. But Playing devil's advocate, I would push back to you. Dwayne Haskins didn't have 4-4 speed. He was much more a traditional quarterback than Fields. I'll agree with that. Kyler Murray wasn't a polished quarterback coming out of college. No, he was not. Lamar Jackson wasn't a polished quarterback coming out of college. No. Those guys both have what? Four four speed? Yeah. Or faster? Well, Lamar Jackson, I'm gonna go sub four four, but yeah. So I, I guess and and again, I'm not saying I don't agree with you. I probably do agree with you. Right. 
putting Kyler Murray with, and I, I know who I'm saying, uh, putting Kyler Murray with a um, George Kittle, with a, um, oh, who's the outside guy? Uh, Debo Samuels. Debo Samuels, but on the other side. Uh, Ayuk, Brandon Ayuk. Uh, Brian, you know, yes. Mostert. Um, the tight end. Right. I can't remember his name. That, uh, that opens up a lot of stuff on the outside for a guy with 4-4 speed. It does. Took me a second to get there. But the thing about football, the reason Lamar Jackson is a suggestion. Let me tell you what Lamar Jackson is in my head. He is a 1950s quarterback playing single wing football and he's as effective with the football in his hands as he is throwing it down the field. I think a little bit comes back to who's sitting in your head coaching um, position. Absolutely. And uh, Shanahan, you know, with his time in Washington, you saw Kirk Cousins, I mean, I think if Shanahan would have had the option to trade for Kirk Cousins the year before, before he went to Minnesota already, he would have chose Kirk Cousins over Jimmy Garoppolo. I think that Kirk Cousins, Matt Ryan, those guys are going to stay in the pocket. They're going to read the offense. The guys like Lamar Jackson and, and, and Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray's a more complete quarterback than we give him credit for, though. I agree. I was just uh, playing devil's advocate. Right. Uh, what you ask for a Matt Ryan to do or a Ben Roethlisberger, who's maybe the best ever at this, along with Peyton Manning, you ask him to stay in the pocket and deliver the ball one, on two, time. three on time. Lamar Jackson, I, if he has more than two reads in a play, then somebody's not doing the right thing, you know? Right. Uh, I, and I do think Mac Jones is uh, – uh, and, and, and this is not an insult to Justin Fields' intelligence because I, I sent you the thing. He had a 29 on the ACT. Right. 3.5 – or 3.95 high school GPA. He's a very intelligent young man. Just don't know if his football IQ is where Mac Jones is. And, and also, they've been some scuttlebutt behind the scenes. Some of the guy like Morrison and Schefter, there's some question about maybe a work ethic there a little bit too. And that might be why he's sliding a little bit. So, we'll go your route. Mac Jones to San Francisco. Atlanta trades down, you said. Yeah, I think uh, I have Atlanta trading down right now. And I'm sorry, I'm going to move through this quickly because we got a lot to cover yet, right? Yep. You think it's with New England? I do. So you think New England moves up to four to take? Trey Lance. Trey Lance. Yes. Okay. I think Justin Fields is going to be the fall quarterback this year. And that is – That's where I'm headed. That is not an insult to Justin Fields. Because you know who the fall quarterback was in 2018? A guy named Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. 
and and let's not forget that on draft day, everyone said Patrick Mahomes is not NFL ready right now. He didn't touch a football for a year. And Andy Reid even said that in the third preseason game that Patrick Mahomes played in, he might have been the worst showing he's ever had a quarterback show. Um, so I'm going to go with that year for Patrick Mahomes was what made Patrick Mahomes Mahomes right now. So how far is this field's fall? It's interesting. Right now, um, I think if he starts falling, somebody that's in the backside of the draft that needs a quarterback will come up and get him. Um you know, I've seen some stuff that has projected him some places, but somewhere that I think he could fit would be Denver. If Denver's right. done with Drew Locke, I think that could be a fit. The should, line, they be, should they be done with Drew Locke? I, I think Drew Locke is on a one-year string. Right. I mean, I mean, it's either show me or go home for Drew Locke. Is he in the same boat that Sam Darnold's in? He is. And – Sam Darnold's lease on life got a little longer with the trade. Right. Um, I he do might believe, have a two-year leash. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Sam so, Darnold. So Carolina's not in the in the quarterback I don't believe so. Okay. And if I was Carolina, I would be comfortable with Sam Darnold. I'll go ahead and throw out – we'll have to wait uh, 24 months for this, but I'm going to go ahead and throw it out. I think Sam Darnold succeeds in Carolina. I agree. I agree. And, and, and I think it's just because he's got more talent in Carolina than he's ever had in in New in uh, New York. Yeah, and he doesn't have Adam Gase, who and, and, well, and rules a good coach. Yeah, uh, I you know Adam Gase, I can just wrap up. And Peyton Manning's made Adam Gase a blue billion dollars. So, but the two quarterbacks that Adam Gase has mentored besides Peyton Manning is Ryan Tannehill, who he almost destroyed in Miami, that became an All Pro in Tennessee, I don't know that the same thing doesn't happen to Darnold and he can't have a better coach than, than rule. I, I agree with you. Yeah. It's a great yeah. situation. He gets Absolutely. out of, he gets out of the bright lights in the big cities of New York and goes to Carolina. Great. Best thing could have happened to Sam Darnold. I'm rooting for Sam Donald. Well, and well, I think he's in a, in a good spot. I really do. So. I believe my boy Horndog throwing up a spread offense. I knew he wouldn't like to spread off the offense. <laughs> That's a three three yards in a cloud of dust guy right there. So 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 speaking of spread offense, I want to move a little bit further down this draft. All right, because I think that next pick, that pick five, yes, is it, pretty crucial, right? Um, because you know, looking at it, I think you know, you know, I know, I'm pretty attuned with the AFC North, right? Um, looking at what they're trying to do in Cincinnati, you're looking at a situation where Zach Taylor's probably unnecessarily on the hot seat. Um, they the the Bengals just signed Thaddeus Moss, Randy Moss's son, right? Um, the tight is, you know, uh, Joe Burrow's former tight, uh, excuse me, roommate or it's not roommate teammate, um, yeah. at LSU. So 
He was out all year, all last year with an injured foot. Pretty good sign, I think. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I think, I think the whole thing with Joe Burrow, and again, I, I almost used the Joe Burrow Mac Jones comparison, because uh, everybody talks about Joe Burrow's uh, football intellect, and hey, Joe Burrow's a former Ohio State quarterback too. Right. So. Uh, I think to make those guys comfortable is a good thing. And if Thaddeus yeah. Moss, if Thaddeus Moss catches ten footballs this year and makes Joe Burrow comfortable, right, that's a great A. I think Kyle Pitts is the best player in the draft, other right. than the quarterbacks. But part of my heart, if I'm sitting there, I'm not sure that I don't pass Kyle Pitts and reunite him with Jamar Chase. Exactly, and that's where I was trying to go. Yeah. And- and, and you know, I mean, so so to me, looking at it, it comes to it doesn't come to to um, the kid from Florida Pitts. Um, I, don't, I always want to call him Franks for some reason. I don't know why, but it, it doesn't come down to to to, uh, to to Pitts and Chase. It comes down to uh, Sewell and Chase. Yeah, I, you know, and I think Sewell's a possibility. Now, Cincinnati did go sign their long, uh, left tackle to a nice long extension. Is it Whitworth? Yeah, and then went out and picked up a right tackle. So, so and I think, you know, that's, I guess, where I was headed with it is you can, the tackle position, there's not going to be another Jamar Chase in the second or third or fourth round. No, and it's a deep, it's a deep tackle class. There are, I think, nine tackles yeah. in the first three rounds. Yeah, and I'll be honest with you. If Cincinnati passes on Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts, which they'll have, or Devontae Smith, they'll have one of those guys sitting there. I'm not sure Rashawn Slater from Northwestern isn't a pick because while I think Sewell's the better prospect and the better athlete and the better left tackle, uh, Rashawn Slater can play left tackle, right tackle, both guard positions. So, uh, and, and you get to keep the the elite talent at the top of the draft. Yeah. So, you know, I think it's Chase. Yeah. But I'm I'm telling you, part of my heart thinks that Zach Taylor. And by the way, you said it. Zach Taylor is wrongly on the hot seat. Right. That's a great young coach. Right. I, I I could see him going. Okay. I I can get a guy that's going to play 15 years. He can be my starting left guard. He can be my running. Because, hey, let's not forget, they've got Joe Mixon there too. Right. So, or if something happens outside, I can slide this guy out to left tackle and still stay secure. So, if you're looking at – if you're looking at a situation and you're Joe Burrow and you're looking at a situation where you got – and, again, I'm I'm not a big Joe Mixon fan. Yeah. I'm just not. Um, I, I, but – He's there, and, you know, that that's fine. He's serviceable for now. That's the de- way I look. He's a deplorable human being, but he's an okay running back. Yeah, exactly. Um, you got you got T. Higgins. Great. You got Tyler Boyd. Most underrated wide receiver in the uh, NFL. Amazing possession receiver. Yes. Put Jamar Chase out there. That makes your offense whole. Yeah, and, and let me uh, again. I've I've spent a lot of time breaking this down. 
there's not a lot of difference in Jamar Chase and Kyle Pitts. The only difference is you use – one of them's called a tight end, one of them's called a wide receiver. Right. But I guarantee you at third and 12, Kyle Pitts is going to be split out. So that's a great point. Does the <clears throat> the truly great mind take Kyle Pitts in the first and come back in the second with um, Eli Moore or um, that kid from um, – I think so. That kid from um, – oh, shoot. Not Wake Forest, but the um, Minnesota. Yeah. 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 Someone like that. Yeah, I, I, I really think you go get – first two, um, they asked Jamar Chase about playing with Joe Burrow, and all he said was, me and Joe could do our thing. And I think both of them are good enough to they, – their thing went 15-0, and 0, right. beat a very, very impressive Alabama team. Uh, I think that comfort level – I think we could see it twice back-to-back. Because right now, in my mock, I have Devontae Smith going six to the Dolphins. So you could see that back-to-back. And that sets up the situation where if somebody doesn't come up to take pits, he might slide to eight or nine. If he gets past, if he gets past Miami and the Bengals, what about pits to Carolina? And that's Sam Darnold's new favorite receiver. That's that helps that that helps Sam Darnold now. It helps Teddy Bridgewater now. Uh, that just seems like a natural fit to me. Uh, but the more I think about this. The more the Bengals have to take pits. He is the one of the guys, um, and I'm gonna plug somebody else's podcast, but it's one of my Absolutely. favorite ones. Chris Sims, the former quarterback, uh, Tampa quarterback, uh, Phil Sims' son. He has a podcast that he breaks down film, and and he does a remarkable job. And he's a guy that wants to become an NFL front office type. So he looks at it this way. He called Kyle Pitts a generational talent. And to me, when you say generational. Oh, I agree. I mean. You're talking Randy Moss, Bo Jackson type of athlete. At 246 pounds, Chappie, he ran a 4'4". He is six foot six. He has the wingspan of a guy that's six foot ten. He has a hand size equal to Shaquille O'Neal. There is when we talk about matrix of a football player, there has not been anyone like Kyle Pitts in years. If the Falcons stay at four and passes on Kyle Pitts, you will have to you will have to give me a volume before we come on the air that Thursday. <laughs> I've said I'm okay with the Falcons trading out just because. So many holes in Atlanta. We right. need, we need to rebuild. We need to we need to rebuild. And, and I still think Matt Ryan's got some tread. I don't think if we draft Justin Fields at four, we're going to be any better in the twenty one and twenty two season than we will be with Matt Ryan in the twenty one and twenty two season. But I, I agree with you. Kyle Pitts is a once in a generation talent. 
the closest guy I have come to that I really compare him to in this generation is Antonio Gates. I, I think they have similar, uh, some of the similar stats, you know, and, and a guy that never played college football walked into the NFL was elite versus a guy who is a born football player that has all those snaps under him. Uh, Kelvin Winslow Sr., another good comparison. He's a better athlete than Travis Kelsey or George Kittle are right yeah. now. Yeah. So, um, again, somebody's going to get a difference maker. And we've heard it in the news. Jerry Jones has talked about coming up to four, too. Uh, you know, but he's the one crazy enough that would come up to four, you know. But whoever ends up with that cat's going to get a football player, man. No, Will I agree. And, and I'll tell you, you know, it's funny. I, I the, the comp that I heard that made the most sense, but you're absolutely right. And, and I'll come up with my um, – was Vernon Davis. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, yeah. but, you know, Vernon Davis, like they said, was more of a workout rat. He wasn't, you know, this is a kid who um, is has quick hands, has good hands, um, is fluid, is more of a receiver. You know, he kind of reminds me of a, of a Randy Moss plus about 30 pounds. Yeah, and he's a kid that likes to work, and Randy yeah. Moss. Yeah, right. no, fair. I, I, I said it, and I'll say it again. Randy Moss is the greatest freak athlete that I've ever seen that they couldn't even get him to stretch pregame. You know, he did all that with basically where Jerry Rice was the hardest worker in NFL history to do what he did. Randy Moss did it by just eating M&Ms and drinking Diet Coke. That's being generous. Yeah, he did. I stayed PG. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you off air one night about when I saw him down in Huntington, West Virginia. Hey, I've got, I've got, I've but got, it's got to be off air. Yeah, I've got his visit to Knoxville, where he refused to. He he, he basically told the coaches he was going to Florida State that he was just there to swim. <laughs> it didn't leave the dorm room for two days so you can figure out what he was doing yep yep have a lot of fun yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, okay and, and remarkably a guy when he got to nashville that the city loved man so i'm a jerry rod i mean i'm a i'm a randy moss mark yeah i mean you know again him being from west virginia everything i followed his career pretty closely um, but you know, uh, Dave Craig, freak, Dave freak Craig, athlete. Dave Craig made a great point. I had forgot about this. Jerry, uh, Jerry Jones was one of the guys that passed on uh, Randy Moss in the draft to grab, I guess, Greg Ellis. Yeah, yeah. Dave, David, no, uh, what's up, buddy? Thanks yeah. for coming. I, I'll tell you, you know, it's interesting um, because I, I feel like. When you're looking at this draft, there are some guys who really could be difference makers. Absolutely. And the, the, the one guy, when you really think about it for me, that could be one of the biggest different maker, difference makers, 
We talk about obviously the the three or four quarterbacks. There's a couple receivers. We didn't talk about you know the the Alabama receivers, Waddle and Smith. Um, both of those guys will be impact players. Um, you know, the, the, there's a few other guys, but but to me, I, I think like the guy that might have the biggest impact is Najee Harris. So uh, I've got my notes. If I could hold them up, I'd show them. Najee is the guy that can uh, take a good team to a Super Bowl. Now, let's talk about the dynamic of the NFL over the last uh, few years. And, you know, the NFL is my sweet spot, and I feel like I'm, I'm comfortable with the NFL, but the value of running back in the NFL is so understated. And it's became clear with the new rules. Wide receivers can play 10 years, 15 years. Quarterbacks can play 25 years. Outside of Frank Gore, uh, you know, playing 20 years in the NFL ain't going to happen. If Najee Harris was coming out in 2001, right. he would be one of the top four picks in the draft. Right. You, you remember the year Mike Dick had traded his whole draft for Ricky Williams? Yep. This that's Najee Harris. I mean, that is what he is. We've mocked it, and I I will tell you, and where I have my Najee Harris going right now, it's to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. I and and, and and the Steelers may have to be willing to slide up just a little bit to get that done. Right. And I, I'm not sure they do. Um. The, I have just a highest grade on ETN, but I think they're two different backs. I think Najee totally. Harris, uh, Najee Harris fits what Pittsburgh wants to do. Yep, he's a line you up, run the ball. He's Jerome Bettis. Yes, Najee uh, Najee Harris is the guy. Jerome Bettis, good comparison. Travis Travis ETN, he is Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, uh, maybe a little James White, too. A little of that shake, catch 65, 70 balls. Um, for Pittsburgh, it's Najee Harris. I have right now uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks moving up for ETN, and I, and I know that's the last thing I want the Bucks to get as a Falcons fan, but there's only really two elite running backs, and Pittsburgh is the Neat. glaring spot. Yeah that they have to come out of this draft with a front-line running back. And James Conner signs with the Cardinals. Uh, I, I'm not sure about that sign. I was wrong on that one. Uh, you are were, but, but James Conner wants a chance outside of that offense. I don't think he fits in Arizona. We'll see. I just don't think he fits. And I love James Conner. One of my four or five favorite players in the NFL. Don't get me wrong. But uh, I would really like to see Najee Harris in Pittsburgh. And Chappie, as you as a Steeler fan, uh, and you as a Steeler fan, does Najee take them from nine and seven to 11 and five? Uh, so. To me, Najee Harris is Derrick Henry. Yes. He takes some of the shortcomings of Ryan Tannehill 
and turns them into strengths. Tannehill's weaknesses are very similar to what, at this point in his career, Ben Roethlisberger's weaknesses are. It makes that offense just like just like an outside guy makes Cincinnati's offense whole. Yeah. A pound you in the head running back, an old school stealer type of running back makes that offense whole again. And here's the beauty of that. Yes, they need an outside linebacker. Yes, they need offensive line help. Yes, they need a center. Center will be there in round two. I'm confident of that. Round two, you have um, the kid from Kentucky. Yes, and he's a good center. Sorry. Round two, you have the kid from Penn State. Okay. Round three, you have the kid from Kentucky. You have the kid from um, – there's a kid from Pitt. The center's deep. Yeah. Uh, they like know, one of those guys. I like Creed Humphreys. He He's the top to me. If you have to reach up in a second to get him, you do. Yeah. I, well, and there's a kid at Georgia and Trey Hill that, that's really not a true center that learned to play center that if you take him in the second round, probably be in a pro bowler for about 10 years. I think there's center help there for, right. for the Steelers in the second round. And I think you start building. Here's the thing you could do with Najee is you start building. We all agree that Ben's got a maybe 24-month window right. uh, here. But if you go ahead and put Najee in your camp, you're starting the rebuild process now. You might be a different looking team right. once you get rebuilt. But let's talk about what the Titans did. They brought Derrick Henry in, and the quarterback situation failed. They went and linked heavy on Derrick Henry, went and dug Tannehill off a scrap heap, and went to the AFC title game two years ago. Right. So while people can devalue that running back position, Chappie, Najee Harris is an important piece to rebuild the Steelers. So I, I will I will build upon that. If you're the Pittsburgh Steelers and you draft Najee Harris, you have to come back in the second, third, fourth round and invest in your offensive line, particularly run-blocking offensive linemen. Right. That's a must because it doesn't matter how good you are as an offense. If you can't block the run, and let's be honest, the last seven games of the year, the Steelers couldn't block the run. Right. You're not very good. I, I think the Steelers let their offensive line get long in the tooth, get old. And um, you, you've got to remember, before Derrick Henry came to Tennessee, it was uh, Tyler Lewin that was the traffic from Michigan. 
So you're right. You If you invest in a running back, you've got to invest in the offensive line. And what is the Steelers? And look what happened without that without Lewin this year when they got hurt. Not the same team. No. Also, what does the Steelers do really well? They come up with defensive people from out of nowhere. I mean, the Steelers may be Mike Tomlin's calling card. Maybe I can create defensive stars in this league by taking someone that doesn't fit everyone else's mold. Right. And putting them in the correct situation. Right. James Harrison, I don't believe gets to be James Harrison unless he plays in Pittsburgh. No doubt. Uh, uh, 32 teams had a chance to get him. No one wanted him. Nobody wanted him. I think Bud Dupree uh, has been a great player in Pittsburgh. Yep. Uh, He walked for the money. I don't like him leaving Pittsburgh. I don't no. think I don't think it. will be serviceable, but not great. He's not. He's not going to be the D- Bud Dupree that was in Pittsburgh. I agree. Absolutely not. So, and, and I'll tell you, you're absolutely right. I, I, you know, um, they they do. You know, Alex Highsmith's a guy to watch out. He was, I think, a third or fourth round pick last year. Um, came in when Dupree got hurt and was um, able to, um, you know, be productive. I, I look for them to address that. I look for them to address the outside linebacker position and maybe bolster the uh, middle of the line on defense. But aside from that, I look for them to be running back offensive line heavy this year. They might take another receiver. I could see that. Because you got you got a plan that Juju's may could walk next year still. I don't think he does. I, I think he walks when Ben retires. Because I think that signifies a change of the guard, and I think at that point he's like, okay. You know what I mean? I, I think he walks when Ben retires. And that might be at the same – they might retire at the same time. I mean, you know how receivers are in the NFL. Yeah. Well, we you know? just saw Taylor Gabriel, who's had a nice career that was an unsigned free agent, retires at 29 years old. Um, and and uh, my argument as a Falcons fan, and as a I, – I, I will argue – for another until he's gone. Matt Ryan's 36 years old. I just saw Drew Brees play in his late, I mean, playing in his 40s. Tom Brady just won a Super Bowl in his 20 years. You might not just have two years with Matt Ryan. You might have four or five. Right. And then that gets into a whole different argument. If I tell you Matt Ryan can play at a high level for five more years or even at a mid-pack level, that changes the whole dynamic of what the Falcons are doing in the draft. The other team that's interesting to me, Chappie, I know we're running out of town. The team that's got all that offensive talent and a horrible defense, could the Cowboys get a good enough player at 10 to impact that defense? Because that offense before Dak got hurt was on record pace. Can't, you know, I, I think they'll go cornerback more than likely. Uh, the one I like there is Caleb Farrell. Farrell, I think he's a little more developed than Patrick Sertain. There's also the possibility of J.C. Horn. There's three elite cornerbacks in this draft. That could be an impact place, too. You know, you get the right – and I don't know, Cowboys. wish we'd uh, asked Dave when he was on here. I don't know what the impact player is. 
Wow. But but you've got a high draft pick there that can affect that defense, even from a rush side or a cover side. Could be interesting. Well, I mean, to me, if I'm the Cowboys, I, I'm moving back. And, and, I, and I'm doing so, I, you know, I, I want I want the defensive tackle from Alabama. I'm, I'm forgetting his name right now. Yes, I don't, yes. Um, uh, uh, Barmore, Barmore. <laughs> Yeah, you know, right now I'm looking at Fantasy Pros. They have him going 41st. Yeah, um, I, I feel like you know when when the the Cowboys were the Cowboys, they had those big beefy guys up front. Right, and I feel like they've kind of gotten away from that a little bit, and I feel like that's where they invest, and they they can do they can get more than that out of that number ten pick. Yeah. Um, so, so, so to me, I'm if I'm the Cowboys, I'm looking to move back. I feel like one player at that point doesn't um, doesn't do you the good that maybe getting you know three or four players a little bit later on um, to kind of shore up that defense a little because I I feel like the offense is there. Yeah. Um. I, I honestly, you know, you talk about getting pits and all that stuff. I I feel like they just need to fix the defense a little bit. Their offense is fine. Dak Prescott got injured. He was on pace to throw for 6,000 yards. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, I, yeah, I, it'll be interesting to see what teams like the Cowboys do, um, you know, teams like the Browns, what they do. But, you know, let, let's talk about that next week. Let's break it down a little bit more. Let's spend a little bit more yep. time on football um, and, and just kind of talk about, you know, some of these second-day picks and um, – you know, some of these teams that aren't maybe aren't in our wheelhouse, um, yeah. what, where they might go. So, um, anything you want to say, wrap up, RC? Uh, you know, on draft day, we'll have our normal show, I'm sure. Uh, we're also going to do a draft day special. I don't know if we do it around OA, we include OA in it yet, but I'll get with Chappie, uh, as we talk to talk about it. But we are here to be your source, and, and you know. What we need from you, and we're really bad at doing this. Yeah, <laughs> we we are the horrible at this. We need likes, follows, tell a friend, tell a subscribes. neighbor, subscribes, man. Hey, you know, at times we do a really good job, but if you we always it, do a really good job. At times we do a really good job of advertising ourselves. Yeah, at times we stink at advertising <laughs> ourselves. So I, I we usually don't. I don't like to do this but you know chappy i've started a company build up on podcasting and you have got some exciting crazy exciting stuff happening and uh, i think we do a good job for everybody i'll brag on this for a second i know how much effort we put into it and we do it because we love this but right. i also got something the other day chappy where somebody just said hey i enjoy listening to you guys because you challenged me to think about sports different. That meant the world to me, you know. Uh, it, it means a lot to us to give you something to entertain you. And in this crazy world, uh, two very political guys try to stay off of politics. Right. Try, try to stay off of debate. On opposite ends of the spectrum too, right? Hey, I, I don't, ever, <laughs> don't ever tell yourself that right, right and left can't get along. Right. And right and left can't have a core value that's exactly the same because we do. Exactly, yeah. Uh, it's when people start making it an issue that it becomes a problem. But we love this, and we, we love y'all. And please, uh, chat, 
Chaps. This show is a Chaps Fantasy Chat show, but it's also a River City Media show, River City Media show. And Chap, uh, here in about two weeks, I'm going to have some River City Media shirts available. And if we start getting a great comment, they'll earn a free shirt. Nice. And and I'll tell you, you're absolutely right. We do this for fun. Um, We're both working hard to try and build our brand. Uh, Big things on the horizon for both of us. But, you know, honestly, that's just like um, secondary as to why we do this. We both do this because we love baseball. We love football. We love sports. And we love talking about it. It feels dirty to ask for subscribers, but we have to. <laughs> but, but, you know, it, again, you know, just to be honest, if you like the content, Chaps Fantasy Chat, the Chaps Fantasy Sports Group, iLogic Media, at Draft for Upside, River City Media, and, again, Chaps Fantasy Sports Group. Um, appreciate all that goes into what we do. Thursday nights at 10, The Other Angle. We love doing it, man. We'll see you guys next Thursday. See y'all.